getting into it. So um, let's do that, hey? So Father, we just thank you in this time that your word is truth and your spirit is the spirit of truth. And we submit to you, we yield to you and ask by your spirit that you would speak to each and every one of us, God, today that there would be shifts, that there would be breakthroughs, that there would be healings, that there would be deliverance, that there would be whatever you need to do. There'd be encouragement, there would be hope. Whatever you need to do in us, God, we yield to you today. We submit to you today and we thank you for the ministry of your word and the ministry of your spirit amongst us. And we say, God, be glorified in it and have your way amongst us today that you would speak to us so clearly in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to talk about being transformed, living out the new birth. For those that have been you know, here a while prior to Christmas, I was talking about the, the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is and different aspects. And we could really speak about the kingdom of God for a long time because Jesus spent a lot of his ministry talking about the kingdom of God and preaching and teaching and healing. That is demonstrating the kingdom of God. But I want to kind of take a step forward to that about transformation and being transformed. Because the Lord is moving amongst us. Do we realize that? Hands up who realizes that the Lord is moving, that things are happening in their lives and around us in situations. God is moving, and so much of it is heart stuff. We, we often look at the external things, don't we? And we go, why is this? Or why is that? Or what's this? But God is interested in the heart. What is he doing in our heart? What is he doing in our lives? There's so much. When there's a shaking happening, there's an aligning that's happening. Do we realize that? I like always have a, have a vision of a gold, like people going gold panning. You know, where they'd have these big sieve things, sifty things, and they'd scoop it up and there'd be all the, 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 the rocks and the, hopefully the gold and the other things and the water, and they'd shake it. But see, as they shook it, the things that had no substance actually fell away. The dirt and the grime would fall away. And it was only the things of substance that would remain. And from there, they'd be able to pick out the rocks and the gold. And so when, when we're in a time of shaking, we need to realize that God is wanting to remove some things from us that we do not need to take forward. Is there amen to that? We go, why is this happening? What, what is happening? God is wanting to remove some things from us that need not be a part of us as we continue this journey with him. Amen? For me, personally, God has been, you know, calling to me and speaking to me about coming up higher, coming up higher, coming up higher. You know, and, I, and as you do that, you see things differently. Even things that I saw a certain way 12 months ago, you, you begin to see things differently. And so, you know, there's some things that I'm not doing that I need to be doing, and, and there's some things that I am doing that I need to not do. You know, even the way that, you know, in terms of what the Lord is calling me to do in ministry amongst us has to change. God is doing stuff. But in the midst of that, there's such a hunger. 
There's like an awakening that's going on in hearts and there's a, there's a fresh hunger for God. I'm talking with people that are, that are in their homes, that are on their faces, on their floor, and there's tears rolling down there. I'm hearing testimonies of people that are, that are starting to experience an awakening that no longer is Christianity just a dry religion works where you do what you do, but there's an awakening that's happening in hearts and lives because there's a hunger to, for more of God. Amen? Is there a hunger in you for more of God? If there's not, continue to lay hands on yourself and say, God, stir up in me a fresh hunger for you, God. Here I am. You know, God answers those prayers. His spirit starts to work. Amen? It's, it, it, it's key. It's imperative that we walk in the spirit and not the flesh. More and more. More and more. We do not walk according to the flesh, but we walk according to the Spirit. Is there an amen to that? Come on. In every way, not just in different, not just in parts of our life, but in all of our life, we learn to walk in the Spirit and not the flesh. So last year, we looked at some verses. We looked at, we started with John 3.3. That's where we started. Unless someone is born again from above... They cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom. I, I, I prefer using the terminology of seeing people born again than people get saved. Because someone prays a prayer and they say they just got saved. But yet, but yet over time, there's no fruit in keeping with their repentance. But when you're born again... You die, and you arise with Christ. And when someone is born again, you see the Holy Spirit at work in them. You see the Holy Spirit at work through them. And I think we've got to get rid of terminology that's not really biblical and start to get back to biblical things. Is there an amen? So unless you can be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And, you know, we, we spoke about, we spent a bit of time in... Um, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, where this is the essence of the new covenant, where the Lord said, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and I will cause you or move you to follow my statutes and my ordinances. The work of the Spirit within us. It's not, I have to, I have to, I have to. It's, oh, I want to. I want to give. I want to help. I want to pray. I want to reach. I want to worship. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us, isn't it? And then I was thinking about this as I was praying, and I was led to Romans. Romans chapter 6, and this is what it says. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. There's a, there's, a, there's a definite point there. Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? This is what we talked about previously, that our lives are no longer marked by sin, but they are marked by Him. 
And we are being changed from one degree of glory to another. Amen? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Woo! We, were, we died and we were buried and we were resurrected in Christ to live a new life. Amen? The old has gone and the new has come. We should be excited about that. I said, the old has gone and the new has come. Amen? These verses and so many more verses, they're biblical truth. Biblical truth of what Christ has done for us. Amen? They're just three of so many full of biblical truth. The Bible is the Word of God. I was talking to a couple before that I'm so thankful for my Baptist Bible College where the statement said, the Bible is the Word of God. Not contains the Word of God like some people believe, but it is the Word of God. And we stand on the truth of God's Word and the Spirit brings it alive. Is there an amen? So what stops us? We can read verses of Scripture and we go, oh yeah, what stops us from living it? What stops us from walking in it? What stops us from going from victory to victory to victory to victory, living the life that Jesus has for us? We could probably talk about issues such as pride. Because pride is an issue where we don't fully yield, where we don't fully surrender to God, and there's an air in us of stubbornness. It's like, no, I'm not letting go of that. It's true, isn't it? Let's, let's, let's be real. We like being real here. We could probably think of other areas like fear. Fear, because fear stops us from letting go. But we need to let go because we need to let God. We, that's why it says in Hebrews, let go of anything that hinders you and the sin that so easily entangles you so you can run. You cannot run when you are holding on to stuff. Did you know that me being a ex-sprinter, that the movement of your arms is the key to the length of your leg stride. You can auto automatically lengthen your stride in running, sprinting, by your arms going all the way back and all the way forward. Your legs will automatically extend. So people that try to sprint like this, they've got little steps. You will see the sprinters 100, 200-meter sprinters, they're, they, they're, their arms are the move. You cannot run if you're holding on to stuff. You can't. That's prophetic. You've got to release the stuff so you can actually run. So sometimes it's fear, isn't it? Yeah? Just checking. But I want to talk today about our minds. I want to talk about our minds because our minds are such a blockage to what God has already done. We want to focus on this part today. Is that right? That's why Paul said in Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And notice that it's, it is a continual. The renewing of your mind. It's not just by the renewed mind. 
the renewing of your mind. Be transformed from glory to glory to glory by the renewing of your mind. Bring your mind into alignment with God and His Word and His truth and His ways and you will see transformation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind means just that. That your thoughts then come into alignment with what God says, His truth. And it equals transformation. You are agreeing with God... You have the mind of Christ. This is why Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians, chapter 10. And he says these words. I thought it was really funny at Friday night prayer meeting because all these people were speaking out these words of prayer that I already had in my message for today. It was really cool. Oh, I knew, they didn't know, but I'm sitting there going, this is good, I like it, I love that. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. Is there an amen? We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. That is warfare. The warfare, yes, there are strongholds in our city and in our region and our land, but there are strongholds in us that God wants to see demolished. Strongholds of thinking and patterns and ways and things where you've been hurt and, you, and, and the hurt has put a, put a blinker on you so you can't see the truth. And there's all kinds of strongholds that get built up. And it's time that we ask God to bring down those strongholds that we could walk in transformation. Strongholds are areas that we give too much oxygen to. Patterns of thinking and lies that you give too much oxygen to. You're feeding them. We're going to look at a couple in a minute. You feed them and you give them oxygen and they become a stronghold over time. And it doesn't matter how much prayer you receive until you get to the place of, I don't want to be like this anymore. The stronghold is will... will, will often remain. I won't say always because I've seen God do some stuff. But you have to get just the same places when we've ministered to people with alcoholism and drugs and all this kind of other stuff. They have to get to a place where they actually want it gone. And in the moment where they want it gone, God is the one that sets them free. And it's the same in our patterns of our thinking, our stinking thinking that build up over time. We believe lies, areas of fear, rejection, past experiences. The most common one that I hear often is, God doesn't love me. God doesn't love me. Yes, He does. He gave his son for you. If that doesn't demonstrate love, then I don't know what does. Jesus loves you. 
because he laid his life down for you. He gave everything for you. The Word of God says that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. There are so many verses upon verses upon verses, how great the love of the Father is lavished upon us that we could be called children of God. It says that the Holy Spirit has poured out the love of God into our hearts. There's so many verses that prove that God loves you, so why do you say God doesn't love me? You are not partnering with heaven, you are partnering with hell. There's no in-between. In the end, it's life or death, heaven, hell. Let's get a bit real. There is no grey middle ground where we end up somewhere where we hope we may be. No, no, no. It's the same in our thinking. We're, we're either partnering with God or we're partnering with Satan. There is no third party here. That's why when Paul was going, no, Lord, that shall not happen to you. No, you cannot go to the cross. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, because you do not have in mind the thoughts of God. Oh, he really hit that one, didn't he? But what he was actually saying is that that, that very statement does not come from my father. Because he had to go to the cross. So in our thinking, if we're not partnering with God, we're partnering with Satan. And I think we need an awakening with that. If we keep saying, God doesn't love me, God doesn't love me, God doesn't love me, God doesn't love me. You've just built up a stronghold. God doesn't love me because. It's May's little sunflower. He loves me, he loves me not. Things are hard at the moment, so God doesn't love me. Things got a bit tough, so he doesn't love me. I'm not really feeling his presence, so he doesn't love me. Yes, he does. He loves you. He so loves you. He wants you to know him like Jesus knew the Father. Jesus said, I am, well, in many words, I am the beloved son. And he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son, whom he loves. Just stay in that place. Don't allow the thoughts of the enemy to come in and say, see, God doesn't love you, because why would this happen to you? We blame God for so much stuff. Sometimes it's just bad choices. But we want to blame God. People say, well, if God is really God, then why is there so much stuff in the world? Well, that's what sin does just like what sugar does to your teeth. It decays them. There's some other examples. I've heard people say, I don't have any gifts. Well, that's not true either. Because the Bible clearly says that everyone is graced and everyone is gifted. And in fact, if we want to get into the things of the Holy Spirit, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. There are so many verses of Scripture 
that speak to us, that you have a gift, that you have purpose, that God has plans for you? Why do we partner with the enemy and says, oh, I've got nothing. I'm got, I don't have any gifts. I don't have any purpose. You see how easy it is to partner with Satan rather than with God? I think it's because we trained that way as we come up in the world. Circumstances happen, things happen in life, and we make statements, and we, and we do things, and I think when we bring it in, we bring it into our Christian walk, but we need to have an awakening when we go, hang on a minute, that's not true. That's not God. There's people, you know, that say, I can't forgive, and I will not forgive that person. Well, that's not true either. Because the forgiveness that God has offered to you is meant to be a channel to which you can forgive others. Who are we to receive the forgiveness for our sins and withhold forgiveness from a brother or a sister? To do so would be, I am putting myself in the position of God, saying, you don't deserve my forgiveness. Wow. Forgiveness doesn't hold them captive, it holds, unforgiveness doesn't hold them captive, it holds you captive. And I understand there's some horrific things that happen in people's lives, I get that. But please, go on the journey. Don't just make a statement where it says, I will not, I cannot forgive. Don't make that statement. Go on the journey where you can actually forgive. Not just say, I forgive them, but when you see them, you go. That's a good sign to know that you haven't forgiven them. When you see them and you go. I've had people cross over the other side of the street. Yeah, that's, that's true. And I go, what? What? Forgive. You know, fellowship. Oh, you meet people go, oh, no, I don't believe in fellowship. I don't, I don't need any, anyone in my life. I've got God and I don't need anybody. Yeah, we could talk about anything, couldn't we? You know, people go, I don't give. I don't give. I don't believe in giving. Oh, we, we could talk about any topic. I think you know where we're going what we're talking about, whatever it may be. You know, the kingdom of God operates by faith. By faith. Go back and read Hebrews 11 again and you'll be encouraged by that. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. We'll go back into the book of Romans for a few minutes and we read some verses that confirm to us that the kingdom operates by faith. Romans 3, verse 21, 22, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe, since there is no distinction, Jew or Gentile. Woo. Faith. 
We go on to read more about this in chapter 4. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Amen? Was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 13, for the, for the promise to Abraham and his descendants that he would inherit the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. A couple of verses later. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. Isn't that interesting? He wasn't a father. In the natural, he wasn't a father, and yet God is saying, I've made you the father of many generations, many nations. I've made you the father. Faith. Faith. He is our father in God's sight, in Abraham, uh, in whom Abraham believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist. Well, how does that happen? Faith. You call something that, that doesn't yet exist into existence through faith. So when God, often what happens is, you know, through prophetic like prophetic ministry is you, is you get a prophetic word from the Lord through someone and you, and you are not there yet. And one of the problems that happens much is, is, is that people think it's a now word and it's going to happen and they start running with it and it just causes problems. But, it, but in reality, you might be on page 7 of your book and God is speaking about page 10 and you're not actually there yet and you've got to go through some stuff to get ready for page 10. Well, that's what happened to Abraham. I've called you to be a father of many nations. He believed, hoping against all hope. In the natural, it thought it can't happen. But there was a seed in him that said it can. We need to be a people of faith, not but not not led by circumstances, not led by feelings that, that change as much as the breeze changes. We need to be people of faith that says, God said it, and I'm going to stand here until I see it. It's like Elijah. It's going to rain. Well, go out and have a look. Sends his servant out. Go and have a look. No, not raining. Go out and have another look. Go out and have another look. Oh, it's coming. We need to be people of faith. Faith aligns us with the Word of God and the truth of God. And we can sing that song, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe you can do it again. Because God is faithful. It said, He did not weaken in faith when He considered His own body to be already dead. It said in verse 20, he did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith, and he gave glory to God because he was fully convinced that what God has promised, he was able to do. Give him praise, give him glory. Amen? Come on. He was fully convinced that what God said he would do, he was able to do. Fully convinced. Are you fully convinced? Let's, let's get a bit meaty for a minute. Let's get some steak and veg happening. Carnivore diet. Steak. No, no veg. Sorry, just steak. Are you fully convinced? 
And if you're not fully convinced, the Lord is speaking to you today about removing those things in your thinking that are lining up with, with hell rather than with heaven. Don't take this as a condemnation. Take this as a, oh, it's time, God. It's time. It's time that I step in. It's time that I get in the river. It's time. God said it. I believe it. Even, especially when my feelings and thoughts don't line up. Isn't that the thing? My thoughts don't, don't line up. My feelings don't line up. And that's when we start to make declarations because it's not lining up. We need to learn to stand, amen? It's the old patterns, the lies, the belief systems that hinder us. We can, we can read a verse of Scripture, we, just, we can hear a message being preached and we go, that was awesome. But it's like, okay, now it's time to put some feet on it. I'm just going to do one thing at a time. I'm going to believe you, God, that you love me. I'm going to declare over my life and my family that I am dearly loved. And I'm going to keep doing that until things in me shift. Don't stop until, amen. Because God wants to break in and break that cycle. That's what God wants to do. You see, because what happens is we go this way. It's true, isn't it? We often just get going around in circles and we keep repeating the patterns that we keep repeating. And we think we get breakthrough. We go, here we go, I'm going to break through. No, go right again. This time, this time, I'm going forth. I'm getting breakthrough. No, here I go again. No, no, this time, I'm free. I'm really free. And then something happens in front of me and I go, no. It's true. For a lot of us, it's true. Probably all of us in some ways. Hopefully, yeah. But God wants to get us, he wants to come into that place and he wants to break that cycle. We see it in the natural, generational cycle. Poverty follows poverty. Addiction follows addiction. No, not in the kingdom of God it doesn't. In the world it does. But not in the kingdom of God. No, you break that pattern because Jesus paid the price for it. Addiction does not follow addiction. Adultery does not follow adultery. I'm going to go after that one. All this stuff, it doesn't have to follow it. Who said it has to follow it? Oh, well, my dad was like it, so that's why I'm like it. No, you were born again. You died to Christ and you rose with Christ and you are resurrected. We have to stop living under the psychology of the world. That's why... And I know a couple people went, ooh, last time I said this. This is why I don't believe in the kingdom of God in the personality types. Sanguine, melancholy, choleric, and what's the other one? Phlegmatic. Because you were that way, but in Christ you were being changed from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. I hated public speaking. 
I hated being in front of people. I was quite happy, be, quite happy being that person in the corner of the room that just wanted to hide when things were going on. I could have spoken over my life and said, well, that's just because I'm melancholy or phlegmatic or whichever one it was. And, and that's who I am. And I would have stayed in that place. But God interjected in my life and, and, and he started to change me more and more into the image of Christ. And sometimes I weep and sometimes I laugh and sometimes I shout and sometimes I just need to get away by myself and go to the beach. I think I'm kind of all things. Do you get me? We don't live according to the patterns of this world, but we live according to the things of the kingdom of heaven. So it's imperative that we take on the mind of Christ. And we yield to that. This is the year of yielding to the mind of Christ. This is the year where my belief systems and my structures in my thinking come into alignment with the way God sees me. And when someone says to me, it might be me, Come over here because we're going to prophesy over this person over here. And you go, no, I can't prophesy. Sorry, brother. (laughs) Everyone can prophesy. Just pray for him. (laughs) Just pray for him and see what God brings out of that. Oh. Amen. I'll take you out for coffee this week, Steve. It's all good. (laughs) But in those moments, we can say, no, I can't do that. Well, who said you can't do that? And if you are like, oh, my heart is beating and I'm getting the shakes and I'm getting the thing, you know, my great mentor said to me, just start thanking God for the person and then see what's going to come. There was a few little statements, there was a few little nuggets that came out on the back end of that, that God was speaking. Because the Word of God says everyone can prophesy. That's what it says. So yeah, are we going to yield to Christ this year? And anything that doesn't line up is going to be removed, isn't it? I don't want that. And if you want to have someone that's going to walk with you through that to keep you accountable or to help you, absolutely. Go to someone and say, I've got a problem in this area of my thinking and I need help. That's part of the reason we're going to start these little discipleship triplets, to get little small group of people that feel that they can share with people that they can pray for each other and help each other and be real with each other. And you can be that with them. You can say, pray for me because I have a problem believing that God loves me. 
and you watch what God's going to do in 2023. I want to put that challenge out to you today, throughout this year, that if the, whatever that area is for you, go after it. Go after it. Grab some others and go after that together and just see by the end of this year what your testimony is going to be. Is there an amen? Let there be a testimony, I pray. So as I close today, we need to align with God. We, his, his heart is to transform us into the image of His Son. It's happened. We're still catching up. From glory to glory to glory to glory, the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So how does that happen? I want to give you a couple of little things before we close or as we close. You need to be a worshipper and a prayer. Remember, worship is about the position of our heart. So whether we're worshipping through a song or whether you're driving your car along the road, there is no distinction. It's about the, the position of your heart to God. God, you're so good. You are so good. You're so holy. You see him. Holy, holy. You're so worthy. You ponder everything that he's done for you. And the worship just starts to arise. You start to sing that song within, within you. Be a worshiper. Be someone who prays. Spend time in his presence. We need to value the presence of God. God is inviting us to value the presence of God more and more and more and more. Amen. I see in the Spirit through times of worship that we don't have the words on the screen, but there's a sound of heaven that is starting to lift from within us because we're starting to worship and we're valuing the presence of God. And when we feel His presence and His glory start to get a bit thicker, if I can put it that way, we just bow in His presence. Value His presence. Don't just go, hi God, bye God. Got to go to work now, God. Got to go out now, God. Got another meeting to go to, God. Value His presence. Do it in your homes, with your families, with your kids. Value His presence. Seek first the kingdom of God and put Jesus in the center of everything. Jesus, where are you in this? I need to put you in the center of this. How do I deal with this situation? How do I resolve this? What is going on? Jesus, I need to put you in the center and I need to seek first your kingdom. I'm not going to live as the world lives. I'm not going to respond the way that the, the world responds. I'm not going to do that. We need to be in the Spirit. We need to be in the Spirit. That is something that we can just live in. We're not under the old covenant where the Spirit would come upon somebody and they'd prophesy. No, the Spirit is within. We need to live by the Spirit. Go where the Spirit leads people of the Spirit. Amen. We need to get into the Word of God. We actually need to get into the Word of God. How often are you in the Word of God? You don't have to answer that question here. How often? You don't need to read chapters and chapters and say, I just read through the Bible in a year. That doesn't so much get me going. It's, I read these four verses today. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. That's what it is. Get into the Word. Get into the Word. For yourself, not through someone else. 
Get into the Word for yourself. Because I've, I hear people say, oh, I was listening to this Word from such and such. Well, that's great. But get some manna for yourself. Get some fresh manna for yourself. There's nothing wrong listening to teachers and prophetic people on the other side. Nothing wrong with that. But get some, don't just keep feeding off other people. Get some fresh manna for yourself. And we do need to fellowship with like-minded people. We do. Because when we start to fellowship with like-minded people and we start to learn to love each other and walk in love towards each other, when we're speaking and we have conversation and someone says something, you can go, oh, hang on a minute. That's actually not really what God's saying. God doesn't see you that way. That's not it. Oh. You see, you fellowship with the right people and they will enhance what God is doing in your life. Yep. We have to yield to Him. And we have to say no to anything that distracts us and hinders us and all that stuff. We say yes to God, amen. Because it's time for the glory. I've been sitting on Isaiah 40 for a few years now. Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. In that place where you think God is not where you're just even questioning a lot of stuff. That's the wilderness. I don't know where I am. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where God is in this. That's the wilderness. God says, make straight a highway. Every valley, every area of your life that needs to be raised up out of that stinking thinking will be raised up. And every mountain and hill, every area of pride, stubbornness, resistance, will be leveled, and even the rough ground will become smooth. Wow. Do you know what makes it smooth? Friction. I had this friend back in Tassie. I'll close now. Music team, you come. I, I had this friend in Tassie who used to go on the beach and collect rocks stones and I looked and I look at them before and I go well, that's interesting but then they put them in this thing where there's like sand or something and they turn it tumble a thing or whatever wow oh wow not just smooth rocks but the colors displaying the beauty is amazing we look at stuff and we wonder why we rub up against people sometimes. Well, the question, you know, maybe there's just a bit of sand in there and maybe God is just wanting to smooth us out a little bit. He's wanting to make us shine. He's wanting to, for us to display His glory in that area of our life that we haven't been displaying His glory. And it says, but the glory of the Lord will appear. I've been standing on that just like we were standing on the building and standing on other things. We're standing to see the glory of God in this land. Not what the newspapers say, not what the media says, not even what different religions say, and not even what some of the church says. But I want to see, I'm praying for the glory of the Lord to be revealed in a way that just blows our thinking. Why do we just have to read about revivals of past? Why do we just have to read about moves of God of past? Why not here? Why not Bundaberg? Why not? Bundaberg belongs to Jesus. 
The question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that Bundaberg belongs to Jesus? Because the way that we live and breathe and pray and do what we do will shift if we believe Bundaberg belongs to Jesus. We are just taking back what the enemy stole. He stole it. We're taking it back. We are sons and daughters of the kingdom of God, and we're taking back what the enemy has stolen. Amen. We're taking back that person. We're taking back that family. We're taking back that business. We're taking back the education. We're taking it back. It may not be like the way we think it's going to be because that often happens. But God, the goodness of God leads people to repentance. The goodness of God was so incredibly glorious that Moses had to hide in the cleft of a rock. The Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass over you. Wow. Moses came down. He was radiant. His face was so radiant that they couldn't look at him. The glory of God. I hope you're encouraged, but I also hope you're challenged. Because God, for every single one of us, I believe, is wanting to remove some things that needs to be removed, that we could walk in the greater things that He has for us all. Amen. So, Lord, we yield to you. I pray for all of us here today. that we would go on this journey with you this year where anything in our thinking that doesn't align with you would be removed. We would start to see you for who you truly are. We would start to see what you've done for us. We would start to see who we are in you and we would start to see the kingdom here in Bundaberg more and more. Remove any fear, remove any pride, remove any stubbornness, remove it God, remove it that would all be you, your spirit, your presence, your glory, your goodness. Let it all be about Jesus. And the people said, Amen. If you need prayer for anything today, maybe something I've said or something that was, that was shared has touched your heart and you need prayer, please, we'll, the team are here to pray for you. If you need healing, you need some comfort, please come. If you're on the serving team, you only need to pack up the kitchen and the back few rows because we're back here.